0: Chris and Dave were with us at the men's conference and uh, had a great, great time. In Acts chapter 2, I want to continue with a message that we began a couple of weeks ago called the Fellowship of the Spirit. I want to remind you of a couple of things. First of all, remember that a church is not a service. Any more than the Red Sox are an inning. Think about that for a second. It's something that the Red Sox do. They have innings, but they aren't innings. Understand? So church services are part of what we do, but it's not who we are. And yet we define so many times who we are as a church, by what service we attend. Oh, well, you know, like today. Our French, many of them are gone today because they're going to be here at 1 o'clock for the 1 o'clock French service once a month. And so we can say, well, that's the French service, so that's the French church. No, 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 no. We are the church. Come on, somebody. So whenever we gather, that's a gathering. But think about your family. When you come together at Christmas... Would you call that family? Some of you are like, oh, is that a trick question? But here, what, what happens? At, at Christmas, what do you do? You call the family together. But the actual gathering is not the definition of family. Family is who you do life with. It's who you're with, who you're connected to. Church goes so far beyond a service. We defined it this way, the church is a fellowship of the spirit, carrying out the mission of Christ to reach a lost and dying world, discipling believers, destroying the works of darkness, and shining the light of his glory to the nations. Now, I know we could do other definitions, but that's the one we came up with. You see, we have to understand that there are many purposes and aspects that make up the church. There are different styles of worship and liturgy and traditions. Churches come in all shapes and sizes. But there are two things that identify every single church of Jesus Christ. You know, if Jesus, I figure, could boil down all of the law and the prophets down to two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. This is the core of all the law, right? Everybody understand that? That's what Jesus said. So let's kind of boil this whole church thing down. First of all, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. If Jesus Christ is not the head, then you don't have a true church. If somebody else is placed in that authority, and because of whatever they put on, they can now speak scripture, and they can now, whatever they say is gospel, that, to me, is not the true church of Jesus Christ. I don't mean to offend anybody. I'm just saying the truth Jesus Is the head Of the church Mm, Some people got quiet in here (laughs) Number two Another identifying factor Is that there is a committed Core of people That make up the church Christ And his body Christ and his family Christ and his army that is who makes up the church so therefore this statement is true the church of the lone ranger does not exist in the church of jesus christ you cannot exist as the church with just you it just doesn't work you see you need the church and the church needs you when, I, when I've been out door to door and knocking on doors and praying for people and doing different things, I, I'll run across people every once in a while and say, no, I don't go to church. I don't do church. I do church right here in my home. Just me, God, my Bible, that's it. That's all I need. And so one of the things after talking to them for a little bit because it usually doesn't do any good to argue. So I just say, you know what? Here's the thing, though. You may not think you need the church, but the church needs you. I'm saying a little tongue-in-cheek because hopefully they'll come humbly. But I'm just saying that we need the church, and the church needs us because we are the family of God. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 continues. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. And to prayer, we talked about these a couple of weeks ago. That about the aspect of koinonia, which means fellowship, community, collection, joint participation, communion, association, intimacy, and partnership. That's that's all the English words that we can pack into one Greek word, koinonia, or fellowship. There's so much. There's so many characteristics. They, they devoted themselves. They pros which means to continue steadfastly, give oneself to continually, to adhere to, to be steadfastly attentive to. What were those areas? To the apostles' teaching, to discipleship, to growth, to fellowship, to the community of the believers, to the Lord's Supper. And we spent a lot of time on, on that two weeks ago. But there's one thing we didn't get to, and that's they devoted themselves to prayer. Everybody say prayer. Prayer. Acts chapter 242 states that the early church was devoted to prayer, which the word prayer there means addressed to God, a place set apart or situated for the offering of prayer, a synagogue or a place in the open where Jews gathered for prayer when they had no synagogue. Wow. That's the meaning of the word prayer in Acts 2, 42. You see, it wasn't just that they bowed down and they talked to God. It was that they came together to address God with their needs and with waiting on instructions for what to do next. They said, God, what are we going to do next? Often in the, in the New Testament, you see that they, they, they sought the Lord in prayer for where they were to go next. What they were to do. But before we get more into the church. As far as the New Testament church. I want to look at what Jesus said about his house. And understanding the meaning of the word prayer. This makes so much more sense now. In Matthew 21, 13. Mark eleven seventeen, 17. Luke 19, 46. Jesus said my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. Can we read that together? Not all the scripture verses. Started Jesus, alright? Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. You see, there's, there's two things there that you need to see. How many of you know sometimes in scripture, it's, it's when you're looking for a meaning, it's like understanding two sides of a coin. It's the same coin, but there's two sides to it. It's not a different coin. There's just two sides to it. And here's the two sides to this, to what Jesus was saying. First of all, Jesus is looking for a people who will pray for all nations. Do you hear it? He's looking for a people who will pray for the nations. If we get so caught up in what's happening only in our nation only in what's happening in our people group then we're missing the purpose that Jesus had for the church he says we need to come together and pray for all nations I remember in Bible college one of my favorite things I had there were several things that were favorite my number one favorite thing was meeting a young woman named Joni Farina that was my number one favorite thing (coughs) But there were some other favorites. One of them was early on, before I ever met Joni, I found out about these things on Monday night that were called prayer. They were called prayer groups for nations. And so we would come together on Monday nights, and we would be either given a nation or we would choose a nation. And I just decided I'll go wherever they choose. If you want to go to a nation, then you can go to that one and pray for that but I just said, hey, where do you want me to go? And the one that I went to was Germany. Now, some of you kids don't know this, but at one point, uh, Germany was a closed nation, Mm -hmm. at least half of it. And in order for that half, for a missionary to go into that half of Germany, you had to smuggle or be smuggled into that half to go preach the gospel in that part of Germany. In fact, Berlin was even split. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember those days? So can I just say this real quick? Students from CFNI and I, and Sagu and ORU, hear me. There are no closed nations to God. Let me say that again. There are no closed nations to God. And you had to, you had to smuggle in Bibles. You had to do all this crazy stuff just to get the gospel into East Germany. But I was assigned to that prayer group. And there was one basic assignment. We prayed for the persecuted believers in eastern Germany. We prayed for missionaries who were smuggling in Bibles and smuggling in and going in. But this is one of our key prayers. Was God, would you bring the wall down that separates east and west? Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. You have to go back to your history books. And that was our prayer. That my group, we prayed that. And do you know God is my witness. The year that I was in that prayer group, the wall came down. President Reagan said, Mikhail, or whoever it was, I can't, who did he tell it? Somebody. Yes. Mr. Gorbachev, that's how he said it. Tear down that wall. And he did. But can I tell you? I think it was my prayer group. (laughs) Amen. Mixed with maybe tens of thousands of other praying Christians around the world. I believe it. You know what? I don't I don't know how far I'm gonna get in this. I don't care. Can we do something right now? Can you just close your eyes as a sign of unity? And can you lift your hands right now? God, we wanna be in North Korea. God, we want the invisible wall that is there and the demarcation zones and all of that to fall in our lifetime in Jesus' name. God, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Koreans who want to know Jesus Christ. They've heard of whispering. They've crossed over into South Korea and they're praying now for their families because they found... Jesus, God, I pray that you would bring down that dictatorship in Jesus' name. We believe it in Jesus' name. Woo, you know, I, I believe we're going to see that in our lifetime. And I don't believe it's going to be the work of a president, though he will be a part of it. Hello? It's going to be the work of Jesus. All right. So we've got to be a people who prays for all nations. But the second side of that coin is, we must be a people that welcomes all nations to pray. Mm -hmm. If we're going to be a true New Testament church, New Day Church, we've got to be a church that welcomes all nations to pray. He said, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. Can I tell you the church of Jesus Christ began on the day of Pentecost, is when we celebrate our birthday. Did you know that? That's why the day of Pentecost is so important to the church. Because we began, the church was birthed in that time, in that moment of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But how many nations were saved that day? How many people groups, how many languages were spoken in that day? Why did Jesus choose the day of Pentecost to begin his church? One of the reasons is because he knew that there was going to be a great harvest among the nations. When we look... To Jesus, When we look to the New Testament church, we understand that we've got to welcome all nations to pray. And you say, but pastor, I don't understand the language. I don't understand. It doesn't matter when you join together in prayer, the language becomes prayer. <laughs> that's it. That's the language you need to know. But can I include one more language? And that's the language of love. When we begin to love and embrace other nations, we will see, we will see the power of God flowing. You see, the enemy wants to keep us from praying together because he knows that our faith-filled, unified prayers will shape the nations. I'm going to say that again. The enemy wants to keep us from praying together because he knows that our faith-filled, unified prayers will shake the The nations. I believe when we come to pray, when we gather to pray, when we put our arms around each other and pray, when we come specifically to a a special called prayer meeting, I'm telling you something happens whether you see it with your eyes or not. I can be honest with you and say this. I've wasted a lot of time in my life. Anybody say, I agree to that? There's been a lot of things I've wasted time on. But there's something I have never wasted a moment on, and that's prayer. I've never gone away from prayer and said, oh, man, that was such a waste of time. Now, I will tell you, I have gone away from prayer and thought, did anything happen in that moment? I didn't feel anything. But I know something was accomplished. When God's people pray, things happen. The New Testament church understood that. And this is a non-negotiable if we're going to be a New Testament church. Acts 4.31 says, just as an example, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now watch this. Kind of wrapping these first four things. Learning together grows us. Loving each other encourages us. Eating together strengthens us. Praying together empowers us. When we pray together, there's power in that. Can I just ask one more question before I leave this? Have you ever prayed for something on your own? Be honest. Oh, come on. I was driving my '67 Mustang across an icy bridge, and there wasn't nobody else around. But as I went sideways, I didn't wait to get out and find somebody to pray with. Right at that moment, I prayed, "God, come!" Actually, I specifically prayed, "Jesus." That's what I, that was my prayer. And then the car straightened, and I went across the icy bridge. So there's times when you've prayed, right, yep. alone. Yep. But have you ever prayed alone? And then later prayed with someone about the same issue? Was there a difference? If there wasn't, maybe you were praying with the wrong person. But I just would say that when you pray with someone, there's a difference. It's okay to pray alone, but praying together is powerful. All right. I want us to talk about this real quick. I want us to talk about a few church goals. That I've got. So we just read Acts two forty two, and and we saw some of the uh, almost what I would call the, the the basic elements. You know the protons, the new neut- neut- neutrons, whatever. I don't know. I, all the yeah, electrons. Thank you. All the you know scientific little terms. Some of the basic building blocks of the church. But I want to kind of continue here in verse forty three, and it says everyone was filled with awe. So out of these four things, it says everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want to I kind of go through these real quick. But I want you to, again, I want you to see these as goals that we can go for. The others are basic building blocks. But from those basic building blocks grows something. From this fellowship of the Spirit, something begins to grow. And these are the things that I want to see grow. Verse 43, signs and wonders continue. Why did I say continue? Because the miraculous didn't stop with Jesus. Let me say that again. The miraculous did not stop with Jesus. Signs and wonders did not stop with Jesus. It continued into the New Testament church. And specifically among the apostles, there were signs and wonders that were happening. Why did it start with the apostles? We're very early in on the New Testament church here. We see later where those who were not apostles also performed signs and wonders. But why the apostles first? Why? Because they were in direct line just coming out of that time with Jesus. They were so filled with the the spirit of Jesus, with the love of Jesus, with the power of Jesus. Then they come out out of the day of Pentecost and come out from the upper room and begin to go out. And signs and wonders began immediately in the birth of the church. But then, like I said, later on, we see those who were not apostles. Philip was not an apostle. He was an evangelist. Actually, he was a deacon. We learned that on Wednesday night. He was a deacon. But out of that, he saw many signs, wonders, and miracles. It says one time about Philip that he went into a city. And there was great joy in that city. Why? Because many, many people who were demon-possessed Were set free. And the demons came out of them shrieking. That would be a little freaky for some of us. But they were being cast out. And people recognized. God was on it. So the miraculous didn't stop with Jesus. The miraculous continued with the apostles. And can I say. The miraculous should be working in the church today. There is nowhere in scripture. Where anywhere. I dare you to find it. Where the Bible says That when the last Apostle died Miracles ceased Find it You can't There's only one verse That certain groups hang their hat on And that verse says When perfection comes What's going to happen Tongues will cease When perfection comes These things will cease I don't know about you but I'm looking around and I haven't seen much perfection lately. Yeah. And they interpret that somehow as meaning the Word of God. Once the Word of God comes, <laughs> my Bible also says that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. So the Word's not done. The Word is still living. The Word is still breathing. I'm not saying we're adding to the Word. Don't go there, you Scott. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying the word is active. And if the word is active and the spirit is active, then can I tell you the power of God is still active. The miraculous is still available to the church today. And it can still be used as a tool of evangelism. But there's one thing. Man, I could really go off on that. For the last two years we've seen that As we've gone out in the streets And instead of saying Do you know Jesus Christ as being our opening line One of the first opening lines is How can I pray with you What's going on I see that maybe you're limping I see that this is a problem And how that the power of God is going out And people are getting healed And then getting saved Sounds kind of like the New Testament Jesus would heal people and then say And your sins are forgiven Wow Let's move on before I do, can you put that verse back there, Joe? Acts two forty three. Yeah, I want you to look at those first few words there. Everyone was what filled with awe. Can we please not lose the awe and the wonder that comes with God's miraculous power among us? Sometimes I think we rate miracles. Well, you know, God touched me, but yeah, you know, it, was, it, was, it was, I appreciated God. But you know, but I didn't win the lottery. So <laughs> it's, it's almost like, you know, God did something. He answers a prayer. Can I tell you, every answer prayer is a miracle. That's right. It's God getting involved, the supernatural into the natural, and things happening. Every answered prayer is a miracle. Let's not lose the awe and the wonder of God in that. <clears throat> I want to keep moving. Verse 44, let's look at it. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Unity was common. And I just briefly want to say about unity because we've talked about it a lot. But unity does not mean uniformity. <clears throat> I'll let that sit for a My daughter, my beautiful daughter who turned 21 yesterday, happy birthday, Emily, is about to go into a profession in the next few years, God willing, where she's going to see a lot of uniforms. Where each doctor's office or hospital is going to tell her, here's your, what do they call them? Scrubs. And Depending on the doctor's office, depending on the hospital, she may be able to wear some fun scrubs. But since she's going to be the doctor, she's probably going to be the one telling them what to wear. I don't know. But she's going to have to wear a basic uniform. Why do we have doctors wearing basic uniforms in a hospital? Because when someone walks in and says, I'm going to operate on you, I don't want them wearing the maintenance uniform. Right? I want them having something white. Without a lot of well, let's not go there. I want them to have a nice, clean, white, you know, dress coming in uniform. Here it is. Uniformity is not a bad thing in certain places. But uniformity is not what the New Testament church was. It wasn't that you had to wear a suit or wear a tie or wear some pants. You know, I mean, well, please wear pants, guys, or at least shorts. But you know what I'm saying. It's not about the way we dress. Come on, somebody. It's not about the style of music. Come on, somebody. Can I get a little bit of an amen here? Unity is not uniformity. Unity is recognizing that Jesus is the head. We're his body and we're working together to do his work. But can I also say about unity was common. You have to work against selfishness to make this common. You have to work against selfishness. I'll be honest with you. it, It really does go against your flesh nature to come into unity doesn't it to work together and if you're like ah, I don't want to be at church today I don't I don't want to go to that work meeting you know I know I'm supposed to be there but but I don't want to go and help spruce up the church for Easter I don't you know I don't want to go to that prayer thing you know that's just you might want to check yourself and say does this have something to do with selfishness because I want to go to the movie instead. Or I want to be able to. I mean nothing wrong with some of those things. But we have to recognize that we're working against selfishness. We're working against the flesh nature. When we're coming together. One more. Actually a couple more. But the next one. In verse 45. Look at it. They sold property and possessions. To give to anyone. Who had need. preach louder, I'm just hot. <laughs> <laughs> the what I see here is generosity by all, for all. I'm going to read two verses. 1 Timothy 6, if you want to write it down. 1 Timothy six seventeen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But... To put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You know what? That just offended so many people right there, if you think about it. I mean, some people are like, yeah, that's right. Don't, 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 no, no wealth in the kingdom of God. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. According to 1 John, one of the ways we show love to one another is if one of us is hurting, the others come alongside and help. If one of us is struggling, the others come alongside and say, how can I help? Now, can I tell you, I know this because of being in the ministry for a little while. That there are times when people don't know what the needs of others are. That's true. And people get bitter and say, well, they didn't, they didn't come and help me. They didn't come to my rescue. They didn't come and see me. They didn't come. And, and sometimes we don't know. I, I'm, I'm being so truthful here. There, there was a while, there was a period in our church life where literally someone would go to the hospital, stay for three days... And then come home, and then the next Sunday, tell me about it. I'm telling you the truth. And I and I finally had to start saying publicly as well as privately, would you please let me know beforehand? That would be nice. Why? Because if I can, I want to be there. If I can't, I want to send somebody. I want somebody else to pray with, to just surround the love. Come on. So sometimes we've got to express the need. And that's a pride issue. Mm -hmm. Hello? Mm -hmm. So we got to kind of break down that pride issue and be able to be open and say, hey, could you help me out? Mm -hmm. This is a great example right here. I was thirsty today. Some of you are like, yeah, I want some of that right now. (laughs) I'm talking, so I'll I'll, I'll use it right now. And I could have done something, Dave. I could have stayed thirsty. I could have sat in my seat. I could have come up here. I could preach this whole message, and I could. And then after the service, I could make a beeline for water. But well, what did I do? I took modern technology. I texted someone, and I said, well, "Could you give me a drink of water?" And then I added, "Please." <laughs> Yeah, see, you all like Wow, Wes is so attentive. Man, he must have seen the dried lips. Well, if he saw it, then you saw it. Why didn't you do something? No. No, so he... <laughs> I'm messing with you. So I sent the text to Wes, and Wes saw the text and went and got me a water. And I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You see, it's as simple as that. I made the need known, and the need was met. Are you ready for needs to be met? body. Let's not just make the need known. Let's be a part of the solution. How many people don't raise your hand? How many of you have ever been a part of helping somebody else in a time of need? And then later on, you were so happy to help someone else when you got to that place. It's an exciting place. That's what the body of Christ should be about. I want you one more thing. Just one, just say just one more. one more. Just one more. Come on. Not only were they united in all these other things, but they were united in passion. Look at it. Look at verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You say, why passion? Because the, the Greek word is actually a pretty big one there. It's homo Thumadon thumado. Here it is I, I actually put it up here Just so you didn't think I was lying about it It means with one mind One accord One passion It's a unique Greek word And it's used 12 times In the New Testament But 10 times in Acts 10 of the 12 times it's used In the New Testament It's used In the book of Acts. And it helps us understand the uniqueness of Christian fellowship. Humathumadon, I knew I was going to mess it up, is a compound of two words meaning rush along and in unison. Hey, let's go do this. Well, first of all, just so you know, you had to be at home to answer that telephone call. Just mess up. Anyway, but you know what I'm talking about. You you answered the phone and hey, let's go out tonight. We want to go to we want to go to Gaddy's Pizza. Or we we want to go to this place or that place, you know? Let's go bowling. Does anybody bowl anymore? I mean, okay, good. So let's go bowling. It's back. Awesome. And you get together as your Christian brothers and sisters, and, and hopefully you're inviting some non-Christian brothers and sisters. And, and you're you're saying, hey, this is what We don't just talk about the game. We don't just talk about the score. We don't just talk about the latest fashion. We also talk about this and what's going on. It's that coming together, that from house to house and in large communities. And can I tell you, I'm just going to read this verse 47. And praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That simply, verse 47, is simply the outgrowth of what they were already doing. This was the natural byproduct of what they were doing to come together. People were drawn. The word there for for, uh, favor is charisma or charisma. It's the grace of God. People were drawn by the grace of God that was happening among the people of God. I want to ask you a question as we close here. How many of you notice For those of you that have been to New Day Church a lot, how many of you noticed something was a little different when you walked into this room? Raise your hand. Notice something a little different? Yeah. For those of you that knew, maybe you didn't notice, or maybe you just thought it was weird, or maybe you just thought, whatever, I don't know. But if you look around right now, you will notice that there are eight different colored chairs than all the other chairs. If you're sitting in a green chair, can you raise your hand right now? (laughs) A couple of people, when we were putting them in, put your hands down. A couple of people, when we were putting them in, they were like, what are you doing? They started messing with them. What are you doing? What is this? I said, it's an illustration. When you look around this room and you see these chairs... If you walk into the room, especially when they were all just white chairs and all of a sudden there's some green, you definitely notice. But the more they filled up, the less you notice. I wondered if anybody would even sit in the chairs. Because you thought I might call you out. I'm not going to call you out. But if you look around, these chairs represent, to me, those people that we're reaching out to. Because let me tell you something, when somebody walks into the church for the first time, or in a long time, I'm going to tell you, first off, are they going to look at the way I'm dressed? Are they going to judge me? Because you know sometimes the church is really good at that. Why? Because if we do that, somebody's going to do that to us. With the same measure you use to pour out judgment, it will be measured to you. That's
1: Was that Jesus, I
0: think he said? <laughs> What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say when we look at these years over this next two weeks, I want us to think about the people that are gonna fill those chairs. You guys were great. I really didn't know that anybody would actually sit. Because but you, you just beautifully illustrated it. You didn't care. Maybe it was because it was next to somebody you knew. Maybe it was because you didn't really sit. Or maybe it's just you thought, hey, cool, I want to be in a different chair. (laughs) All of those are okay. Every single one of them. But this is what I want us to do. I want us to stand. And I want us to end our time in prayer. And I want us to end our time praying about those who we are... Inviting to come along with, especially, yes, for Easter, but not just Easter, beyond that. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to call out their name, but we're going to do it in this fashion. We're going to physically call out their name. You You don't have to call out their whole name, just their first name. And I want you to call out their name right now to God. And I know, I know that all of us can't hear the name. I get that. But if you hear somebody saying that name, but you don't have a name to say, can you agree with them? Just call out their name. Say, yes, Lord, I I pray for Jason too. I don't know who they are, but you do. Can we just do that right now? So on the count of three, call out somebody's name, and then let's begin to pray for them. One, two, three. Jason. God, we just pray right now for these individuals that have been called out to you, Lord. They've been brought to you in Jesus' name. I call out Jason right now and his family. And I just ask for an inroad, for some way, some way to be able to cross that bridge, cross that divide, God. God, to reach into their hearts and their lives, God. God, I pray that you would give me a boldness to be able to cross that divide. And Lord, be able to reach out and touch them. With your love, your power, your grace. And God, I pray for all of these names, these people that we are calling out to you. And God, as we prepare, Lord, to invite them to bring them, God, to to this house, God, so that they can experience the love of God. So that they can experience the grace of God. So that they can experience your peace. Your touch, God, among us, Lord. We pray that in the name of Jesus that you would tear down every wall, tear down every obstacle between them and you and us and them, God. God, we just pray right now that you would make a way where there seems to be no way that you would remove every obstacle. God, we pray for them right now in the name of Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just really feel compelled to do this. Maybe you're praying, but you were thinking, I should be calling out my own name. Because you're not in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. This morning, we are not here to embarrass you, to judge you, to single you out. We are here to say there's a better way. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. That's what Scripture says. But there's also a way that leads to death you're blessed you find it well guess what you just found it it's in jesus christ he's the way he's the truth he's the life no one comes to the father except by him and today if you're feeling something if you're sensing something or even if you just know something is not right in your relationship with god and today you want to make it right It's a very simple thing. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to raise your hand and you say, that's me. I want to make my relationship with Jesus Christ right once again. Just raise your hand. I'm going to see it. And then I'm going to pray with you. Amen. Amen. You put your hands down. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Now, can everyone just lift up their hands and pray this prayer with me? everyone in the room. And if you raise your hand, then just pray this out loud with everyone else. But the difference between you and them is I want you to mean this in your heart. Because it's with your mouth you confess, but it's with your heart that you believe and are saved. So just say, Jesus, I come to you today. I want my relationship with you to be right. I'm tired of walking my own way, of doing my own thing, going my own way Jesus forgive me of all my sins I come to you now and I believe that you are the way the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through you Jesus I receive your free gift of life right now in the name of Jesus fill me with your spirit Give me a desire for your word so that I may walk in your ways so that I may live the life that you have called me to live. I renounce all agreement with the enemy of my soul in Jesus' name. You have no more hold on me. I am and I belong to Jesus. I am in Jesus Christ. And he is in me. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. And I will serve you all the days of my life. In the name of Jesus. Can we celebrate right now? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. If you believed in your heart what you just prayed, then you are now. believer in Jesus Christ, walking in his ways. Come and talk to me afterwards. Find Pastor Joe. Find somebody and say, I just rededicated my life to Jesus because we want to help you grow in that. Amen? Amen. Now, can I bless you before you go? Lord Jesus, I thank you for the body of Christ. I thank you for the brotherhood and sisterhood of believers that surround the throne, that are in heaven right now, even interceding for us on earth. God, I thank you for the brothers and sisters around the world that are praying, that are seeking you. God, we thank you for the worldwide body of Christ. And I thank you for this local body of Christ. As we work out and as we move out into the things you have called us to. Continue to lead us, guide us, bless us. Let the favor and the grace of God flow through us this week. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 God bless you. We will see you at 3 o'clock for Nick and Maddie's wedding shower. You are all, all welcome. And if you want to hang around at 1, we'll have a French service then too. God bless.